some automations and some things you were working on with the smartphone. Can you elaborate on that again? Yeah, so if you go to brooklyndoublingshop.com, I created the whole guest experience, the whole restaurant. The whole restaurant basically is controlled by your smartphone. And on the business side of it, I've proven that with three employees, you can service six to 700 people a week. And yeah, I think I saw some um, information about your shop on TikTok. Yeah, we've got about 600 million views on about 150 videos. Yeah, that's right. I saw that. Like, you got to come down here and you um you order from your phone and you go to this little console and you pick it up. Yeah, it's heated locker and you do it on your time. I'm running the Brooklyn Dumpling Shops now at about 18% payroll, where the industry norm is about 32%. And um, with three or four employees, you can service 800 people a day. And how did you come up with this concept? Well, um, I wrote a book called Damn Good Dumplings. And that book was, you know, when I introduced foods to my children, if they don't like fish or vegetables, I'd make it into a dumpling and I would basically serve it to them in a dumpling and they would love it. So I was introducing foods that kids normally wouldn't eat in a dumpling. So when I came to Brooklyn Chop House and we mashed, you know, it's like it's like Mr. Chow and Peter Luger had a baby and they had a pastrami dumpling as a kid. You know, so basically that was the whole idea is mix and mash the cultures. But a dumpling to me is so everything is over explained. Burgers, pizza tacos, chocolate chip cookies, all this shit is so overexplained. But dumplings, which I think are the most favorite type of food to eat, especially at a party or on the run and, you know, grab and go, no one's ever organized it and made it into a category. And so we're creating our own lane. Uh, and I believe we're going to compete not with, there is no market yet for dumpling shops. Dumpling shops are just randomly owned by Chinese takeout places. And that's it. You don't see any chains or any big restaurants organizing a scalable model. And with that said, I just didn't want to be in that market. I want to be in the sandwich market. So if you want to have a pastrami sandwich in two ounce format, you go to Brooklyn Dumpling Shop and you could have a pastrami sandwich that's two ounces in a dumpling. Wow. Yeah, I think I've had some of your dumplings before or dumplings in general. And at first I was thinking like, you know, I think some of us think about the steamed dumplings and the way the noodles Yeah, come. Yeah, the, the, the chicken, the beef, the uh, veggie. Uh, the pork, the shrimp. You know, we got Philly cheesesteak, pastrami, Reuben, lamb gyro, uh, peanut butter and jelly, mac and cheese, bacon, egg and cheese, uh, sausage, egg and cheese, all in dumplings. And what are the price points of the dumplings? They range from four ninety five to eleven ninety five for four to five dumplings. Wow, that's pretty good. And then can you tell us some of the, are you buttering? Are you putting some kind of like butter sauce on top of the dumpling or are you? No, they all stay true. Like the Reuben has Russian dressing. The pastrami has spicy mustard. The lamb yido, the lamb gyro has tzatziki, the Greek yogurt. And they all come in packets like you would with soy sauce, but every sandwich has its own sauce. So how did you- The market was in 1997, I brought the Fulton fish market onto the internet. And that was a, you know, that was a new medium that people didn't understand. And with, the, uh, with that internet that nobody understood at the time, I brought one of the oldest businesses in the world online. And I built that business from like two employees to 100 employees. And I did it all just basically like, uh, like what Omaha Steaks is to burgers and steaks. Fulton Market was, Fulton Street Market was uh, to fish and seafood and lobster. Wow, that's so awesome. I think I just missed you because I, I graduated from Cornell around 1990s. I'm aging myself. <laughs> but I graduated yeah, I graduated. Cornell, Cornell, was, Cornell was my dad's dream for me to go to school, but with a 65 average in high school, it just wasn't going to happen. And um, and basically, it's funny now they've got me speaking at like Yale University and 
all these different universities. So I'm high school educated, barely graduated high school, and now I speak at universities. Cornell is something that I would love to speak to because of the hospitality. Well, yeah, the way you talk about how you speak to automation, you know, the way you talk about hospitality and human capital, that's definitely Cornell. I was an IRLR, so I was a labor law and business administration. So I totally understand the company culture. Gotcha. Yeah. And speaking of which, how did you, for, um, for the fish market, when you did the Fulton market, did that already have its own culture or did you help garner or, or kind of... Uh... Yeah, the Morfogan family were the largest fish buyers in the Fulton market for about 50 years. We, my grandfather and my father had about 20 restaurants. My uncle was the buyer of the Grand Central Oyster Bar. So we were like, you know, major players in the market. So when I brought everything online, there was a lot of mafia politics and I just wheezed right. I, I just walked right through it all because they were all like extended family members. So how would you compare yourself to some of your um, family members since you're, you seem very competitive, to say the least? Do you feel like you're the best or you're one of the best or are you rivaled? For my other family members? Yeah, you know what it is? I disrupt everything I see. And and usually when you disrupt things, you usually have a propensity for higher failure rate. So I can stomach failure. Uh, but I, what I do is I deconstruct everything and I build it back my way. And when you hit it and when it says it's a grand slam, you're never going to hit a single or a double. It's either going to be a massive failure or a grand slam. And, you know, failure is part of the process. There's no... There's no route to, to success without failure. And with me, it's always been through the journey. The journey's always been disrupted. And that's why I wrote the book, Be a Disruptor. If you read the book, you'll see everything. Since a young age of like six to 10 years old, I was disrupting everything I did in school. I, you know, with my, I didn't get along with kids my age. I was already business-minded at 10 years old. What types of things were you doing at 10 years old? Because when I was six years old, I had like six different paper routes. And by yeah, the time I turned like... I had fruit stands right on uh, Springfield Boulevard in Queens and Bayside. God, so many things I did. Door to door selling water filters when I was 11. And then I guess, you know, working in my dad's restaurant, I was a waiter by the time I was 13. You know, I was a bartender at 15. Wow. So I knew this business inside out. And I don't think I had a weekend off from six years old to my prom at 18 years old. I think it was the first weekend I ever had off. When you're working... Do you feel, do you feel like you're in, in a state nirvana, so to speak, or you're in heaven? It's my happy place. Working, creating, and creating something from nothing is my happy zone. I, I enjoy it more than vacation. Wow. So how many, I guess, nothings to somethings have you done in the last, I would say, 10 years? Um, Brooklyn Dumpling Shop, Brooklyn Shop House, Julon, uh, two books. Brooklyn Dumpling Shop now has about 300 contracts out for franchise stores. I also have my line with Patty LaBelle of all my dumplings going to Walmart. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. I do consulting for some companies and basically, uh, you know, I just, you know, I just keep building and growing. And then I guess my most proud moment in the last 10 years was feeding 8,400 healthcare heroes from March, 2020 to July, 2020. I fed 8,400 healthcare workers in 19 hospitals for seven months with the partnership of Cisco, Junior's Cheesecake, Boss Water, Four or Five Coffee. Uh, we all got together after the New York Post named me Hero of the Day in March 27, 2020, 2020, because I started giving out free meals to all the healthcare workers at different hospitals. And they started writing stuff like, you know, these big 20-foot banners, Brooklyn Chop House, thank you, and da-da-da-da. And then New York Post picked up on it, which I don't believe charity or philanthropy should be exposed on the press. But what worked out great is that all the big guys started calling me after the article and saying, hey, we want to participate. So we grew it from like three hospitals to 19 hospitals where, where I didn't have to pick up the dime anymore. So I just orchestrated it. And with all their donations, I fed over 8,400 healthcare workers when 
the so-called industry leaders of my career, of my industry were first to shut down, first to lay off. Uh, you know, if I own 186 burger shacks without saying the name, you know, I would have left those burger joints open when I have $200 million of cash on hand and a $2 billion market cap in the public markets. These are the guys that should have led the industry and help our healthcare workers, which I call heroes. But they were the first to shut down, the first to lay off, and the first to put out their hands for $10 million in PPP when they had $110 million of cash on hand with $2 billion in market value. So those are the ones, you know what? When you get into a crisis like what happened to COVID, people get exposed for their good and their bad. And you know, when you hear a guy like Mayor DeLauzio, because I can't call him de Blasio, I have to call him DeLauzio, and Comrade Cuomo, our socialist governor, what they did to our industry, they decimated us. But to put the salt on the wound, they said, we should look after the guy that has the 186 Burger Shack. I'm talking about Shake Shack. You know, we should look at those guys like Danny Meyer and we should emulate them. I'm like, fuck you. Emulate them? If I had 186 Burger Shacks and if I fucking had $110 million of cash on hand with a $2 billion market cap, I would have opened every one of those burger shops and I would have let it be a cap. you show a hospital ID, you eat free. You know what? I would have told the shareholders, you know what? If this costs us $50 million until we get out of this pandemic, so what? We're going to come out of this thing as like you know, the brand of all brands. And they did. They did, the ex- they did the absolute opposite. They got they received $10 million after they shut down, after they closed down. You know, they totally abused the system. And then we've got these politicians that told us that we should copy these people. Fuck that. Wow, wow. I love your energy. I love your whole, your whole spirit. Where do you feel like you, uh, you gained that from your grandparents or... Your parents or? My father was very much like me. People that knew my father well said I'm a spitting image of the way he was. He was, a, he was aggressive. He was a go-getter. He was an industry leader. He was head of the Restaurant Association in Queens and Nassau County, Long Island. He was always aggressive and always out there doing deals. And then my granduncle Paul was one of the first. Uh, he brought the first Greek restaurant into Manhattan in 1910. He was a go-getter. But my, my grandfather was not. But my father and my granduncle uh, were very much like my DNA. Wow. What was the most hardest decision you ever had to make um, on your journey? It's a good question. I'm going to think about it for a second. To accept failure. You, know, to, you have to learn how to accept failure. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, this is what I tell my daughter who just graduated at 23 years old. She graduated uh, U Miami. She says, Dad, I don't know what I want to do. And I said, she's like, you know, mom's telling me I've got to get a job in my 20s. I got to know what I want to do. And I got to retire in my 60s. So for me to retire in my 60s, I really got to get the ball rolling on learning what I want to do and getting a job. I said, no, Natalie, here's the new rule of thumb, because whoever gave you that rule of work in your 20s, make money and retire in your 60s, that was written in 1900 when life expectancy was 60 years old. I said, here's the new law of thumb, because life expectancy is like 84 now. I said, I want you to fuck it up in your 20s. This is what I'm telling my daughter. I want you to fuck it up in your 20s. Find what you're passionate about. Try 10 different things. Maybe it's restaurants. Maybe it's real estate. Maybe it's marketing. Whatever it is, try it. And don't be afraid of failure. Embrace failure. And you know what you're going to do? Out of the 10 things, this is the time in your life where you got to be passionate about what you want to do for the next 40, 50 years. So my story to all their age group who are graduating college, stop stressing out about getting a job and knowing what you want to do. But this is what I tell them. Try 10 things and hopefully you fuck up nine of them. And you know what? You're going to find that one item that you, the one thing that you love, fix it in your 30s, start making money in your 40s, retire in your 80s. Because the ones that retire in their 60s and live to 90, they usually die broke. 
And that new rule of thumb doesn't work for today's society and today's statistics. People live past 80 now. Yeah, my grandfather just passed away around, I think he was 98, 99. Grandparents are 99 and 100, and they got COVID twice, they beat COVID twice, and they go to work every day. Yeah, and a lot of studies show that when you do exercise your brain and the neutrons 100%. and electrons, yeah, you I know. I know too many people that retired in their 60s, and they died shortly after because of depression. Yeah, and then what is, uh, I know that you love what you do so much, you can hear it and feel it through your soul, literally. Are, are there any things that you do on the side or for your own pleasure besides staying amped up? <laughs> well, I smoke cigars, I don't drink alcohol, and I scuba dive and I ski. Wow, where do you scuba dive at? Everywhere I can, everywhere possible. Caribbean, Mediterranean, Middle East, wherever I can. I don't do enough of it. I did a lot of it many years ago, but skiing and scuba diving are my favorite things to do. I got two English bulldogs and I like to stay home and smoke cigars because, you know, people say, oh, when I, you know, I go to Southampton every week, hey, let's meet at a restaurant. Let's meet here. And I'm like, no, I like to barbecue, stay home because I do that for a living. I'm out for a living. I, I want to do the complete opposite when I have my own time. That's awesome. I love doing the same thing. I love entertaining myself. <laughs> yep. I I'm it's good with being alone, too. I like Yeah, at first it was very difficult when you're 19. But then you start to understand that you, uh, you have a much easier, reconcilable life when you learn how to do it yourself. <laughs> you got to read my book. I think you'll love it. I feel like I've read your book. I feel like I read your book, but I'm going to read it tonight for sure. I'm, gonna, I'm heading to um, Germany on a 10-city I mean, on a 10-day, four-city tour where I'm going to, uh, you know, meet all these fashion, uh, I guess, uh, sustainable designers in the furniture industry. I'm going to talk to them and try to, you know, create a spotlight for them from Hamburg to Frankfurt to Berlin. So it's going to be a really yeah. great journey. And I, I was able to plan this trip alongside of uh, the Ministry of Tourism of Germany. So I'm really excited about that. But I mean, I had to speak to you because I, I mean, I know I bumped into you. When you said Pat LaBelle, I, you know, I, I know I bumped into you somewhere because I love your energy and I love your food. And I remember one of your restaurants somewhere in New York, you were in the basement. And I know Pat LaBelle was there. Child. Pat, yes. Because yes. Pat LaBelle, Pat LaBelle had a, a young lady named Terry Dexter. That's her backup singer. That's my best friend from school. Right, up oh, from Detroit. Yeah, yeah, I met Terry. Yeah, you know Terry, light skin. So Terry has yeah. that beautiful about four octave voice. So I knew I, I knew it. And I know one time I met Patty, she was so sweet. She was like, I mean, you want something to eat? And I was like, I don't want it to eat. <laughs> but yeah, so on the plane ride, uh, be a disruptors on all bookstores. Get the audio and Kindle. And read it on the plane. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to love it. If you oh, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely going to get it. I'm definitely going to get it. <laughs> go, go to Amazon and check out the reviews. The reviews are off the charts. You know I mean, I it just it, it just got Amazon. Right before it was released, it was Amazon's number one most anticipated business book. Wow. Congratulations on that. So with all this with all this amazing success, where do you see yourself in the next, you know, uh, I guess next week or two, next the next five years? Like, where do you see yourself? I just continue to work. I, I don't like not working. And I see mm -hmm. myself working till the end of time. It's not even about money anymore. I have enough to, to survive a couple of generations. It's got nothing to do with money. It's all about creating something from nothing. And again, like you said, exercising your brain is the best exercise you can do for your soul and your body and your health. What other um, ask, What other ways are you, I guess, trying to relax your brain or calm your nerves during this uh, I, pandemic? I, I walk about 60 miles a week. Oh, I love you. I love walking. I love walking. So you, uh, where do you normally walk at, if you mind me asking? I live by the Brooklyn Chop House, right next door on the Brooklyn Bridge. And I, yeah. walk, to Times, I walk to Times Square every day, back and forth. Nice. Wow. Nine miles each way. 
Yeah, walking in New York is very therapeutic, particularly because, you know, the landscape is beautiful. You know, there's no other architectural um, landscape like New York. In you know, my the energy and the mind stays active, so you don't realize yeah. that your feet keep moving. Yeah, yeah, and it's so beautiful. Is there any, yeah. Are there any words of encouragement or advice that you offer a young person trying to follow in your footsteps or be or go into a similar direction as you are? You know, like I said, um, fail. Fail as much as you can in your 20s. Don't be afraid of failure and don't listen to haters because the more haters you have, the better path that you're on. So when you got haters, that means that you're on to something good because no one's ever looked at an idea or a concept that's new and said, oh, great idea. Oh, yeah, it's great. They all say, are you nuts? Are you crazy? This ain't going to work. And at the end of the day, when you get feedback like that, are you nuts? This concept's not going to work. That's just noise. And don't look back because it fucks with your neck. That's what I always say. Wow. Stratus, you are an amazing, phenomenal human being, and I, I really appreciate you taking time in your schedule. Is there anything else you can add or you would like to talk to us about or, uh, or, or leave with us before we, before we let you go? Because I know you're busy. It's Friday. Yeah. No, all I say is, like I said, as young entrepreneurs, don't be ashamed of failure. We teach in schools that if you fail, you should sit down and be ashamed. Or people love to fucking ridicule you online. Oh, this guy opened a restaurant and it closed. Oh, you know, I lost my money. As long as you do it with integrity, it's okay mm. to fail. You know, I'm not saying you should take some investor's money and start private, driving on a private plane when, uh, when your business isn't doing well. No, you protect the investment, but you always do it with integrity. And if you fail, you fail. The best thing you can do is learn from it. And I always say education, failure is an education. And I have a doctrine, I have a doctrine in failure. You know, it's like, you know, it's okay. an education. And if you're afraid to fail, then you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. But failure wow. is nothing to be ashamed about. Never be ashamed of failure. Wow. Um, real fast, during your journey, have you uh, have you noticed some similarities with all the establishments that you have built? Are, are there any uh, signifiers of why they're, they're strong businesses, uh, on why they became strong businesses? You know, when I create a concept, I create it from being the consumer sitting at a table. What do I want to see? What's the energy? How do I want to see the flow? How do I want to see? I create the concept sitting down at a table as a customer. And then I start designing the guest experience, which usually turns into vibe dining, you know, where the music is cool. The energy is good. You know, when I, when I hire staff, I don't hire staff on experience. I hire staff on, a, on their smile. If they've got wow. a natural smile, they're going to get a job with me. Uh, because one thing I cannot teach you to do is be charming and have a good smile. You know, if you, yeah. you know, that's something you're born with. You got a good smile. You speak well. You know, uh, you can walk in and work in any one of my restaurants without zero experience because with zero experience, because because to me, I've got this shit so automated and so systematic where the runners bring the food, the runners bring the drinks, and da 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 da. But what do I ask for a manager or a host or a server? I ask them just to smile. And if you can't mm -hmm. smile, you're not getting a job. I don't care if you got 30 years experience. Wow. wow. That's my wow. rule of thumb. Wow. Thank you so much. I um and I could talk to you all day because I have so many questions. <laughs> because you're such a light and an inspiration to so many people, particularly because everyone thinks that you have to go to college and a lot of young people don't understand that college is not just, you know, a certificate uh, for me. College you know. doesn't define you. Yeah. And believe me, I've got nothing. My kids are all going to college and that's great. College doesn't define you. College is the theory is good, but if you don't have practical knowledge experience, the, that theory doesn't do shit for you. This, I have Wharton MBA types that work for me, and I barely graduated high school. Yeah. And another thing, what I think about when I heard you earlier speak that resonated with me is um, I know that when I was about 
I think I was like 12 or 13 years old as well. I had a letter from my mother, God rest her soul in peace, and my father to work in a restaurant called Ram's Horn in Detroit, Michigan. It was a late night shift. So it was the, uh, the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shifts. And the reason why I wanted to work on Friday and Saturday is because my friends were hanging out in the streets doing nothing, bullshit. Yeah. But I was able to make $150, $200 serving coffee to drunk people all night long. So what, yeah. I, what I learned is like what, exactly what you said is uh, the hospitality, being able to, you know, say hello and smile and make people feel good about themselves. And um, that really helped me. And then that work ethic of, you know, just going to work and missing out on having a good time and playing around and bullshitting with my friends in the streets. So part of my book says, what does 5 a.m. mean to you? Does 5 a.m. mean that you're getting home from a night of partying or are you getting up to hustle? Wow. That can you. Define you. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Stratus. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I can't wait. You, I'm just letting you know. I got eight hours, so I'm definitely going to read that book and I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, let audio. me know what you think of it. Okay. And I'm going to be in touch. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, man.